0: This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. I'm Mark Vance, lead pastor at Cornerstone Church, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, uh, Trevin Wax. Trevin is what? What's your technical title right now, Trevin? Uh, it's a bit of a complex title. I'm going to make you explain it a little. But what is your title right
1: now? Well, I don't even. I, my title just changed, so it's Vice President of Resources and Marketing at the North American Mission Board. So I oversee a resources team that does free free stuff for pastors and church leaders and church planters and stuff. And then we also uh, oversee some research. And then also uh, oversee the team that is doing marketing and branding and making sure that we, you know, represent the different sides of the North American Mission Board well.
0: Wow. So you have a um, an incredible journey. I, I want to go a little into this because for those who don't know Trevin and his work, Trevin's going to actually be joining us out at Cornerstone for an equipped weekend, going over four challenges facing the Western Church in America, a subject he's uniquely equipped to address, he will be out here February 16th and 17th. It's free, no re- registration required. You can go on cornerstonelife.com equipping to find out about that. I'll, I'll keep plugging that throughout the time. But Trevin, let's give a little kind of biographical sketch of your life and ministry and how you've gotten deeply involved in, you know, helping to be on the front of shaping kind of the theological trajectory in North America, but also helping people understand What is the world we're looking at right now? And how does the ancient kind of tradition of the Christian faith help give us lenses? So I want to give a little bio first. So how did you get into this whole thing? Where are you from? How do you pursue this? Was this what you thought you'd be doing with your life? So start wherever you would like in that personal bio there, Trevin.
1: Yeah, I don't know that anybody can really figure out what their life is going to look like until, until God <laughs> unfolds the story. But uh, I grew up in uh, middle Tennessee and was uh, grew up in the church, uh, came to faith at an early age. Uh, as a teenager, really had a a strong reinforcement of that faith and a a sort of owning it for myself. Uh, But I think early on in my story, anyway, uh, cross-cultural ministry was, was a part of what, what God called me to. So I was doing uh, some mission trips and things as a teenager uh, to Eastern Europe and to Romania. And then I moved there and lived there for five years, married a Romanian woman, wound up uh, having our son while we were living over there. And so for me, I really, I kind of cut my teeth in ministry. I learned to preach and teach in a different language, actually. Wow. So that wow. that was, for me, I think the cross-cultural experience uh, has helped me in you know, being back in the United States, various ministry assignments. I've been a teaching pastor. I'm currently an interim pastor, but I've, I've been an associate pastor. Also, have I've worked at Lifeway, um, have worked now at North American Mission Board, um, and have had a lot of opportunities to be in a lot of different Kinds of ministries uh, currently, the, like Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics, and things like that. So, I, I I think though, what what if you're kind of tracing the trajectory anyway for me, it's it's the the early experience cross culturally, um, connections with the the church globally, and then trying to bring some of that perspective from outside to bear on how we see things in the in the United States, and so. You know, I'm just I'm trying. I, my my heart is to help pastors, church leaders, thoughtful Christians uh, understand the cultural moment well, and uh, understand the scriptures well, and understand the you know the 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 best way forward in an an era where there's a lot of discernment needed.
0: Yeah. Oh man. And I'm going to plug this friends on the podcast. This little podcast, Equip Podcast. This is a pastor trying to be faithful and shepherd uh, people in in my congregation in Ames and anybody outside of Ames listening to this I I still am utterly confused about why you would do that but I'm glad that you tune into it. Trevin has a podcast out that to be frank is one that everyone should listen to. Um I've learned so much Trevin it's called Reconstructing Faith with Trevin Wax. Reconstructing Faith there's a couple seasons of it. It's first off Trevin it's beautifully produced like it's so fun to listen to. But you dive into so many of the cultural hot button issues. I mean, guys, the ones on gender, on masculinity, on the family. My goodness, Trevin, I've shared your podcast, I think, more than any other um, that I've listened to recently. So I just want to relentlessly plug that to people because it's such a great resource. But I want to ask a podcast question, which is what got you started thinking podcast cuz I've read your books too and you're an incredible author so it was it I've always wondered about dabbling in this podcast thing or how did you get the idea for starting this reconstructing faith podcast
1: well I've actually done audio stuff ever since I was a kid really so I know this is this will sound sound kind of crazy but when I was like 11 12 13 14 years old I was I was creating radio shows. We had a radio broadcaster and I had a mixer and I was like, I was doing radio stuff from the time I was a teenager. We like my family, friends, neighborhood get like, we did sitcoms like hundreds of episodes of sitcoms and stuff with like laugh tracks and every like scripted out sometimes, sometimes not, but we did all sorts of stuff. And then I did like, you know, pretend like did like radio DJ and kind of stuff like in the youth group. I was the kid who, when everyone would come over to the house on Sunday nights, would be like playing the music and like talking in between the songs and like bringing other people as if it's a radio show. So, so I feel like I've had this radio passion for a long time. Um, for me though, the, the podcast I've, I've also loved listening to podcasts, I listen to probably more than I should, uh, a lot of times because I just I I love the format, I love the the uh, I, I love the fact that basically when someone listens to a podcast, they're really doing you the honor of giving you their ear. For, for a while. And and so, um, you know, as we were thinking about when I came to the North American Vision Board, as we were thinking about an area where we thought there was some, s- some room for a different kind of podcast, more documentary style, more highly produced and whatnot, this was one of the, th- I said, if I did a podcast, that would be the kind I'd want to do. Um, and so that Reconstructing Faith was the result.
0: Do you have a favorite episode? This might be like asking somebody if they have a favorite kid, but if if somebody wanted to dip their toe into the Reconstructing Faith podcast, is there one you'd say, hey, maybe start with this one?
1: You know, I mean that's a that's different than if do I have a favorite. Um I I think I, I think my um I, I would say start probably season two, episode one. If you're gonna if you're gonna start just with one to see if you like it, just um, just because of the nature, the guests we had on that one, the the it, it, the, the focus on rebuilding, the need for a, a constructive vision, not just a negative vision for the future. Um, but if, I mean, probably one of my favorites, I would probably go back to the season finale of season one, which was also about that you know a time to rebuild. But we had we had Jen Wilkin, Tim Keller in one of his last interviews, and Ajith Fernando. On that one, wow! Yeah, I just yeah, that was, that was a longer incredible episode. I just loved the hearing from the global church and hearing the different, like, what a constructive vision for the future would look like. And of course, you know, it was meaningful, you know, to to spend that time with Tim as well. So, yeah, so as far as a favorite, I I don't know. I mean, we've even got some church history in there with Francis of Assisi, and there's just, I, I think from my from from my standpoint, my very favorite so far would be that one, the the last episode of the first season.
0: That's incredible. So friends seriously if you get one takeaway outside of attending the equip weekend which we are all doing february 15th and 16th at cornerstone but outside of that check out the podcast that trevin's done along with his books just they're a ministry of the church and so as your vision is helping pastors to understand the moment where they live thoughtful christians i'm a one of those people that you've ministered to and so i just want to say thank you uh really genuinely in so many of the cultural issues that are out there, you have been a steadying and faithful voice helping to navigate that for me. And so I am, I'm pers- personally very, very grateful
1: Man, I and I'm excited. Time. I'm honored to serve. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: I'm excited to have you out to Cornerstone because now we're talking, talking about on the equip weekend the four, four of the major challenges facing the Western church in America. So I'm going to outline them, Trevin, and then we're going to maybe dip our toe a little bit into the water of one of these. So the four we're going to talk about on the weekend are examining the be true to yourself mindset, the reduction of Christianity to a set of privatized faith values, the moral revolution against traditional Christian values and the emergence of non-traditional spiritualities. Okay, all four of those, clearly we could take far more than a podcast episode of 20 minutes to talk about. We're going to be taking a longer dive in these on that weekend, but let's maybe dip the toe a little bit in the water the first one, this kind of be true to yourself mindset. So first off, kind of try to describe the mindset broadly, Trevin, that we see and it. I realize this is a bit difficult for modern people living in this day and age, because this is like maybe the dominant mindset they've always had, you know, a bit like the whole challenge of explaining the water to the fish sort of dilemma, but, but set it out. What is this be true to your self mindset and kind of where does it come from?
1: Yeah, so this is what passes for common sense for most people in the United States is that the purpose of life is to look deep inside yourself, to find yourself, to discover who you are by you know your deepest desires and to pursue those no matter what and then to express yourself to the world no matter what anyone else says whether it's your family whether it's your church whether it's your society what increasingly your biology says like and it doesn't matter just the, the the purpose of life is to to be you to find that unique spark inside and to express that to the world uh it goes under different names you know uh charles taylor calls it the age of authenticity. Um, uh, the the, uh, the several sociologists have called it um, expressive individualism. Uh, there's aspects of that in a in a term called uh, moralistic therapeutic deism that's been popular. Um, I I like to just simplify it and say it's the look in approach to life. Basically, in terms of priority, the purpose of life is to first look inside to discover and define yourself by your deepest desires. Then look around to other people to display yourself to other people to get affirmation celebration of who you are. And then look, if you want some kind of transcendence in your life, you look up to God, or to some higher power, or to some kind of religious ritual or something like that. But in terms of priority, you look in first, then around, then up. Uh, This just passes for common sense in most in, in most, for most people. I mean, you listen to most graduation speeches, for example. Oh
0: my goodness. This is
1: what it's about. Like, this is what they're saying. Go out in the world and follow your heart and chase your dreams and you can be whatever you want to be. And don't let anyone tell you who you are. You have to determine that on your own and whatnot. And so what I'm, what I want to do is I want us to recognize that that is the dominant view uh, of our, of our world to, to see that maybe in places where we haven't even seen it because we're just so used to it, maybe even see it in ourselves at times. Uh, but then to interrogate that a bit to show that it's, it's actually not the dominant perspective in other parts of the world. Um, And it's, and it's, and it doesn't line up with what scripture teaches is the purpose of life. So uh, to, to interrogate that, to show why it actually, it's very attractive and appealing, but it doesn't satisfy. And to help us find Mm. as Christians, some areas of anxiety in our society where we can really minister to people who are burned out by that way of living.
0: So, Give me a little, little unpacking, Trevin, of you have this unique element of your story where you lived cross-culturally in Romania. You're preaching in a completely different cultural context. And so how does the rest of the world see this mentality? Is this not the dominant mode outside of the West? Because again, I'm growing up, I am an Iowan and I'm an American. And I, so I have a very, I mean, even as an Iowan, you just have an even more limited perspective on life. So you're saying even outside of America, this might not be the dominant way people see themselves. Kind of compare and contrast this a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely not. Romania is interesting because Romania is far Eastern Europe, but it's also like right on the, like kind of in the, it straddles because it's Orthodox in its church environment because it's Orthodox rather than Catholic. It's, it's Eastern Europe with Western influences and yet it is Eastern in its orientation in a lot of ways. So, so it kind of straddles that sort of East West divide, but generally speaking in the East and in more traditional societies, across the world you don't start by looking in you start by looking around it's the community that defines you it's the community that tells you your place you it's the community and then you look up to you know some sort of sacred order connection to ancestors things like that 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 are 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 upholding everything and then within that limited space you then look in to you know whatever whatever ability for uniqueness remains uh, so that's that's actually been the dominant understanding of the world through human history and continues to actually be predominant in most parts of the world today. If you were actually to, if you were to look at just from a population standpoint, um, wh- like how most people see the world, it's not with the common sense be true to yourself that we have in the West. It's a, it's a very different way of understanding. Now, what's, what's interesting is that the the extremes of both of those look in or the look around approaches can, can feed off of one another. So the, the look around first where the community defines you can, can become very stifling, can, can squelch individuality, um, can, can lead to oppression in many places. Um, we, and then to the be true to yourself, a lot of people think that's the answer, to escape the community expectations, your family expectations, your church's expectations, whatnot, to be yourself, you know, the lone, rugged individual Um, but then that be true to yourself mindset is exhausting as well. That leads people then to find their identity in groups. This is one reason why in the United States today, you find a lot of group solidarity and group identity and sort of a, a, a a moving into the realm of identity politics where I am defined by, you know, my, my, my group in terms of race or class or gender or sexuality or whatever it might be. So because, because like that individualistic, Aspect stresses us out. So we wind up looking for group solidarity to find our identity. Right, right. So you see these two groups and they're kind of going back and forth. You know, you've got to look in and then look around. But biblically, you find both of those approaches are actually critiqued. And I think that's important for us to recognize that Christianity, like Jesus himself, says some shocking things that relativize the family in terms of ultimate identity. I mean, really shocks the disciples, shocks his followers. At the same time, Jesus says some things like to find yourself, you have to lose yourself. You know, to to save your life, you have to lose your life. Like he, uh, if you're going to follow him, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross. Says says some things that completely go against that look in approach to life as well. So so I think we've got to get out above sort of the look in and the look around ways of life and really let the Bible shape our understanding where we would look Mm -hmm. up first To God and His design and who He's created us to be, then look around to the people that He has called us to bear. You know, we bear His image and we want to become more like Christ. And then we look in to find what unique gifts we bring to the body of Christ and we can bless the world around us with.
0: So you've given a just a taste of a more comprehensive biblical way to think: look up, look around, look in. That each one of those elements, let me see if I can state it this way, and I want you to build on this a little bit, Trevin. That each one of those elements. I think of Keller, who would often say in every, you know, idea culturally that takes root, there has to be some sort of embedding of the image of God and truth in it. Otherwise people would reject it as nonsense because it would be nonsense. So there's enough truth in the be true to yourself idea that people can find some handhold to move forward in it. There's enough truth in the look around idea, but both of those then subordinate the look up idea, the transcendent idea. So, how do we how do we recognize what is good in the be true to yourself idea, while it's still still critiquing it? Because I'm thinking, like as a dad, I've got teenage kids, I've got kids going up through youth group, to just say being true to yourself is nonsense. <laughs> it's it's such a giant leap for them. So, help. How would you build the bridge to help someone? Both affirm what's true, but critique it in such a way that they can see a different way to live.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Uh I mean, one of the reasons the Be True to Ourselves mindset does resonate with us is because we were created as individuals. You know, God created us, God has gifted us, God uh um, wants us to to reflect him well uh as people who have been created in his image. So um, so I think that that sort of understanding of worth and value and dignity and and the desire for individuality and identity is, is good and right. Uh, what happens is it just, it gets misdirected, it gets twisted. And so what I want to say is um, the Bible is not against being true to yourself in a fundamental way. The Bible is against you being the one to determine who yourself is or letting the world define you as what yourself is going to be. The Bible actually starts with With God and His design, and there is a sense in which it transposes into a different key. The be true to yourself mindset. What I like to say is, in in, scripturally speaking, we are to be true to our future selves. We are true to who God is calling us to be. We who God is remaking us into His image. And and the beautiful thing about I I like to tell people, like you know, the more you become like Christ, you're not less you. You're more you. You're more you as God originally intended you to be. When we are fully glorified, when I'm fully glorified, I will not be less Trevin and more like Jesus. I will be the most like Trevin I could possibly be and the most like Christ because wow. Jesus is going to not have cookie cutter clones of himself. He's going to have us all reflecting him and, and conforming to him in ways that still bring a sort of unique a uh, 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 different angle, like a diamond, uh, you know, the the way the light catches a diamond onto who Jesus is and what He is going to be. So I will not be less fulfilled; I will be more fulfilled. I will be more myself. So, so, so there is a sense in which the "be true to yourself" mindset is getting at something amazing. But we have to look ahead to what the Bible actually teaches, where we find our true satisfaction and fulfillment. Because the way that the world conceives of it, the way that the world puts that pressure and weight on us to to continually reinvent ourselves and to define ourselves, that is an exhausting way to live.
0: Wow. I'm going to clip that out. I'm going to play it, Trevin, silently while my children are sleeping, just quietly, and hope that (laughs) subliminally that works its way into their consciousness. (laughs) Man, that is so good. That is so good. Be true to your future self, the self made in the image of God created the image of Christ. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you out in uh, Ames, Iowa. Just super grateful to you, Trevin, again in your ministry. And I want to invite everybody listening again out February 16 and 17. Just coming up, it'll be a Friday evening starting at 6:30, run to about 8:30, 9 o'clock that night. <clears throat> then a Saturday morning, 8:30 to about 11:30. We're going to have Friday night, Saturday morning with Trevin Equip Weekend, four challenges facing the Western Church in America. And I'm sure if you've got a little taste of this, you're going to want to come out. And again. Trevin, thank you for spending some time with us today. Thanks for spending some time with us in Ames. And just thank you for your ongoing ministry to the church. It's making a difference. And I'm really, really grateful for you and looking forward to spending some more time together soon.
1: Yep. Thanks, Mark. Looking forward to it.